So Pluto, how we all started is I wanted to decrease my time on the racetrack, really. <laughs> so after I sell, after the exit of Cora, I kind of, you know, dabbled in a couple of things, but I really took the time to focus a lot on my hobbies, which we've talked about over and over again, which is cars. So I went to autocross events, go-karting events. I went to racetracks, Button Willow, uh, Chuck Walla. Um, so and- cool. Thank you. But there was a point where I was frustrated because my neck started to hurt. Like I couldn't Mm. really, you're supposed to look at the point on the track that you want your car to be ahead of where, where your car is now. And so I couldn't do that. And that was dangerous, I guess, but it was also frustrating because I wasn't performing at my best. Hey, Beam Babe, welcome to the Beam Life Podcast, where we are all about honoring your truth, prioritizing your passions, and unlocking your potential. Let's go. I'm your host, Caitlin, and it's my calling in life to create this community of like-minded, kick-ass women ready to make moves and live a life they are obsessed with. So if you're ready to be everything and more, babe, let's get this party started. Hi, Susanna. I'm so excited to have you on the Beam Life podcast. This is going to be such a fun conversation. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's a hot day here in LA, as I'm sure you know as well. I'm super excited to to be here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, at least we're doing this podcast inside, right? AC all the way today. (laughs) AC's on. AC's on. (laughs) I know. I always like, you know, I'm I laugh because I turn my AC off because it's really loud in my little room. And um, sometimes on hot days like this, I'll just be like totally sweating. And so if you see me sweating, just know there's no AC on in here for our conversation. And it's going to gotcha. be, it's going to be a hot one. I love it. <laughs> hot ones. Hot ones. So, yes. so um, you know, I would love for you, we're going to dive like into your story and all about Pluto Pillow and everything that has gotten you to where you are now and so much inspirational little nuggets for our listeners. But before that, tell them a little bit about who you are and who is Susanna like right now in present day. Awesome. Well, I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Pluto. We are a venture-backed startup fast-paced but still sustainable growth. We launched in mid-2018, and our mission is to create curated, technology-enabled products and experiences that maximize your comfort and sleep. And how we started by doing that is with really just one single flagship product, the Custom Sleep Pillow, which I'm sure we'll get into. But we've been featured on Shark Tank, The Today Show, and we're based out here in Los Angeles. Uh, where I was born and raised, uh, so a girl all the way through. I uh, went to school here at the USC Marshall School of Business. I uh, started my first company during my last year there. And just personally, I love cars, which again, I'm sure we'll touch on, but yes. I daily a manual Mazda Miata. I used to go to track events, autocross, I ran two car clubs when I was still in college, um, and I love music. Try to go to shows as much as I can, as often as I can. I think that is so um, 
like one of the most interesting fun facts of any listener, I mean, of any guest I've had on the show, because, you know, they always say never judge a book by its cover, but we're human and we do that naturally. And so if you were to say, Caitlin, what hobbies do you think I'm into? I wouldn't put cars at top of the list. So I love that. Number one, I think that's badass and totally awesome. And two, you're like such a surprise. It's so great. Um, you have that as like a secret weapon. Um, so I, I think that is so much fun. And I'm really excited for you to share about, you know, more about Pluto because let's face it, all of us women listening, we need more sleep. We need better sleep. And that really starts with our environment, right? And like how we're setting yes. ourselves up. So um, at, at the very least, what you're going to get from this conversation is you're going to get some wisdom on how to sleep better. And there's a product out there to help you. So that's going to be so fun um, to discover and share. So give us a little bit more about like your entrepreneurial background, because, you know, you don't just get to where you are now overnight. There's definitely a journey. Um, and so how did you really like end up in this entrepreneurial field? Yeah. So I've actually always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was super young. But if you were to go back and ask me like seven or 10 years ago that I would be a founder of a pillow company or in a sleep <laughs> space, I wouldn't have believed you at all. Never in a million years. Um, and that's just because that wasn't a space that I really focused on or thought of. But that being said, growing up, both my mom and dad were entrepreneurs. So I guess just off the top of my head, I was an only child and I still am an only child, but I have seen them create businesses that include like energy drinks or like a fried chicken chain of restaurants or a sewing <laughs> factory or like skincare products or shower filters, like just off the top of my head. And these are all projects that were not all successful. Like they mm. um, definitely had some failures and I wasn't shielded from that. Like during dinner time, they would just talk about like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And what I really got from that and what stuck with me was that there's this sense of sort of adventure while they're creating something. And that was always what sort of inspired me. So I've always looked up to them in that way. And I wanted a taste of that as well. But mm. I think everything was really set up properly in that their last business was really great. Like they really, really became kind of what they've always wanted to be. And they, they've really found a space that they thrived in. And that was in the reverse logistics business. So just long story short, it's when you buy something from national chain stores like Target, JCPenney, Sears, you return it because it just doesn't work out or, yeah. or they have overstock. They would ship all of that merchandise to my parents' business, and then they would then wholesale to retailers. So it was an incredible business, and I'm still kind of downplaying how lucky I was to have witnessed all of that. So yeah. I had a really set path in that growing up, I was rushing through my education, just knowing that I would, okay, take over this business and expand upon it because you could, you could do warehousing, you could do trucking. Like there's all these different directions you could take the business. Like they're just scratching the surface. But I think 
life threw me a bit of a curveball because <laughs> it always as I does. touched on earlier, it does. Um, I During my last year at USC, I was doing a research project for my entrepreneurial classes. Like we were supposed to come up with something and I was taking that along with like environmental studies. I came across this article that was like, we cut down 27,000 trees a day for toilet paper. And mm. that really kind of was jarring to me at the time. It wasn't like, you know, like the other alternatives out there would be like recycled paper. And I was just reading about how like a lot of people had issues with that. And so that was kind of my taste of like, okay, there was something I could do and it was a project. So no pressure. Yeah. Uh, let's go out and see if I could create an alternative that's even better than what's out there. And we'll talk about this in a bit, but you know, it was sometimes like you mentioned, when you have a plan, you have to still be adaptable because you never know how things could end up. Yes. Um, and Cora, which is the bamboo toilet paper that I ended up creating was my first taste. And I love consumer products. I love to build brands. I want to continue doing this. I love that you share that journey so much because a couple of things really stand out to me. One, I think it's so awesome that your parents didn't shield you from the difficulties of entrepreneurship because I also come from an entrepreneur family and we grew up, uh, most of my family's in the restaurant business. And we've had an operating restaurant in the city of San Antonio where I'm from since 1912. So a long wow. line. And I... What type this, of cuisine was it just it's, very uh, like good old seafood, like classic comfort seafood that is. And then there were steakhouses and Greek restaurants and all the things, um, but really the staple is seafood. And same thing, my family always shared, you know, while we were really young, even that it's not for the faint of heart, that it's, it, that it's a journey, but I love what you said that it's adventure. And that's truly why I chose entrepreneurship for myself as well, because you know, there's risk in anything we do, whether you work at a classic nine to five, you're never guaranteed a position or that the company's going to stay open. And so I've always been like, I would like the risk to be on me at least because this is so much more adventurous and fun, but I realize it's, it's not for everyone, but I love that that was part of your story and journey. And, and that's so inspiring to watch. Um, and then, you know, I was going to ask you, and I love that you just, you know, brought us there in real time is that Pluto, as like, most people don't have a first successful product, um, you, but you happen to do really well with your toilet paper, which was your first, um, first consumer product that you actually created yourself, right? That was pre Pluto. Um, and so what was that like once you de decide, like saw that there was a, viable place for this. How is that like bringing it to life and like sharing it with the world that you're like, Hey, I just created this bamboo toilet paper. Well, it was definitely still a process and it was a long time ago. So I'm trying to really come up, come back and, and really think about all the, all the highlights that have happened. But I remember actually going to my parents and pitching them this idea I had. And they kind of shut me down immediately because they were like, this is a product that there's no profit in. You definitely mm. need a lot of volume, right? It's a paper, it's, it's commodity at the end of the day, even if you're creating a brand in bamboo, um, you have to find a way to make it work. And 
you know, going into retail is another monster as well. Yes. But I always had this type of, um, I think there's this perfect balance of naivete and then an awareness of like, okay, I might not, I might completely fail at this. So let's kind of put as little as possible to see if this has legs mm, and mm-hmm. I have customers. And so I, one of the first things I did was what were alternatives? So I just did a bunch of research on cotton and I did more on, could we do cleaner recycled paper? And I joined bamboo clubs. There are bamboo (laughs) clubs out there and learned about the different types of bamboo and went to the Midwest and looked at how to grow bamboo there, Uh, went to different places, but there is a certain type of bamboo. So I'm getting a little bit technical here, I love it. but it's called a moso, moso. It's like a species called moso and it's like a tree trunk. It's huge. Pandas don't eat it. So we're not hurting (laughs) pandas here. I was going to actually ask you that. (laughs) We got that a lot once we launched. Yes. Um, So you cut it down. It keeps growing. It's a weed, essentially, in that case. And it's antibacterial, antimicrobial. And so I did end up finding a couple of suppliers, folks who grew this type of bamboo. I sourced them. I created my own packaging, like I drew bunnies. I don't know why bunny, like it was like my favorite (laughs) animal and I drew the packaging out. I went to like this packaging, small packaging local company. um, And I kind of sort of put it together and I compared our product to a lot of the very premium, but yet still priced right toilet paper because I wanted a product that was still approachable um, price wise but still communicated that, hey, like you don't have to spend an arm and a leg just to get great toilet paper that's environmentally friendly, that's healthy for you. And so put it together, called it Cora. I think we, 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 we named it Cora because it was like a bamboo core thing. And this kind of, you know, harkens back to also why I named um, Pluto Pluto later on, but um, I put it on Amazon kind of very naively because I shopped on Amazon all the time. I didn't have a a website or anything. And then within the six to seven months that it was on there, it became the number one selling bamboo bath tissue on Amazon. That's crazy and so awesome. Thank you. But it was, um, it was through another person's platform, right? And I had a brand there that was ours um, and then created our site way later on kind of just still was in that Amazon kind of platform, trying to get reviews, things like that. Ended up going distribution to different stores, um, sustainable goods stores, things like that. And within three years, I sold it to a company in the Midwest and they placed it in, you know, great stores and I'm not involved with it anymore, but it was a fun journey. That's so great. And I'm sure so many lessons learned through that, you know, adventure and business building. But one thing that like comes to mind and I think about this journey is like you mentioned your parents having this successful business. You're also, you know, accelerating your education and then you make this discovery. Was there ever like a conversation? I think you mentioned this, that at some point, maybe your path was to continue like working your parents' business. Was that something that was like on path for you? It wasn't right when I started Cora because I think I was still young and they at the time was, again, it was for school. 
So it right. came out of school. I started this as part of a project. That's how I, how I framed it and how, and how it was in the beginning. But then as we started shipping more to customers, it became its thing where like I focused more and more time on it. And I think they still thought it was like really cute. Like I was doing something and I was still like 18, 19 because I graduated college a little earlier. Um, and so they wanted to see kind of just how far I could take it. They've always kind of believed that get as much experience as possible. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I do felt I do feel like they expected me to come back and run their business after this kind of cute little project, one product thing. But I got a taste of yes. consumer products and that how can we 10x and improve the things we touch and feel every day and use. And so I think that conversation happened later on after I sold the business and after I started getting a little bit more serious with Pluto because they were starting to think about retiring Mm. and they had really, really strong expectations. And it was a hard situation because I was an only child. If they retired and no one took over, the business would dissolve. Mm. And yeah. And I want to also, I'm aware that I had a lot of I think I was really privileged in that way. Like I had this path, but um, I wanted to also, again, take a big leap of faith because I wanted to also carve my own path like they did. I wanted to do my own thing, but I think they saw it as, okay, we're, we're trying, we try to create this so that you don't have to go through what we went through. Yes. And to them, it's like, I wanted to start over. So it was hard. It was hard, especially after the selling of Cora, the the exit of Cora and me starting Pluto yeah. uh, not long after that. And I think that's something that all of our listeners can resonate with. And I know I have several entrepreneurs or uh, women who have really successful, what they call side hustles, but I'm like, you got to give your some credit. It's not just a side hustle, but women who really take a lot of pride in things that they do. But at the time when they started them, either had holdbacks because there was judgment or holdbacks because people had different expectations of them. So I think it's really courageous and also inspirational to hear other women like yourself that, you know, you, you recognize the privilege and also the, um, you know, great things that were being presented to you, but still you wanted to do something on your own. And that's, like totally okay. And I think that that's what makes life so sweet is that, you know, you saw and had an opportunity one way, but something was pulling at your soul and the other, and you didn't ignore that. And there was definitely greater risk, right? Going this other way, but, you know, always listening to ourselves and tapping into that intuition is ultimately got to take the driver's seat. What do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think it's a combination of listening to that, trying it out in a way that's still like it depends on what you're thinking of, right? But trying that in a way like the least possible risky way almost. Yes. Like all these different, right? To see if uh, this thing has legs, if there's a community here, if there, if there are customers here. So combining that heart and intuition with just data and, yeah. and in the fastest way possible. Um, what about you? What are your your kind of thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the same same thing. I mean, I 
was in, I've been in three major career paths myself. So I started in um, fashion styling and, you know, then I went to the fitness industry and I'm now in the life coaching and podcasting space. And all of it has built, you know, to get me to here. And I look back and I'm like, this was always where I was supposed to be. Um, But even now, you know, my mom, of course, she's she's a clothes horse, loves clothes and style. And she'll make comments like, you should have stayed in fashion. You were so good at it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I was good at it. That's what I went to school for. And I love and I still love fashion. Like it's part of my brand. It's part of who I am. But it's not the path that I wanted to take. And so I think it's so interesting when and, and then also when I see older people who have these uh, reservations or, or regrets and regrets is such a strong word, but they look back thinking, damn, I should have started that business or I should have done that. And then they're at a point where they're like, I'm 60. I'm not going to do that now. And so I think it's like a catch 22. You can't be crazy and just like jump off the ledge with no, with no net. But also I believe in, you know, self-belief. And if you set up the right systems and your heart tells you it's the right way to go, then you really can't go wrong going all in on yourself, in my opinion. I 100% agree. Yes. And there are ways to also go in 100% when you're working in a different field, right? Like testing yes. things out in your totally. own like, unique way, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's 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 about like leaning on your on your resources and your people. And then of course, that's why I created this community of women too, the Beam Life, where it's like interconnected in here are other women like me and you who maybe have, you know, a few steps ahead on someone. And then there'll be other women who have a few steps ahead of us and we can lean on each other for that kind of support and, um, you know, have us each other as a network and a resource. I think there's really power in women supporting other women doing what they're doing. So I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, I love it. So, you know, we're talking about right now, like self-trust and self-belief was this something that you've always had um, within you or is it something you learned? Going in, it's never a guarantee. And I think I kind of thrive off of some level of uncertainty, but there is a certain threshold there. Like I love, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I love like things like skydiving and like that point where your car is about to lose control on the track, but it's also (laughs) the point where you have the most grip, for instance. Yes. Like I love that. And I think I just no matter what, like every day is different, but at the core of it, I do trust myself a lot in that no matter what happens, I can bounce back. Maybe it'll take longer, Mm. but I can make it work. Um, I've always been very ambitious because I feel like we all have just one life. And I want to say this again with an awareness of, you know, a lot of folks have certain things that they just have to do um, to provide. And, but we have one life. I want to make it count with what I have, with the cards that I've been dealt now. So I think you could hear it in my voice, like that overpowers kind of any doubt I have. And, you know, if I make a mistake and for instance, if I say the wrong thing here, like I'm, I'm just gonna, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. And and I think I would rather take that risk than thinking about why didn't I just go for it? Why didn't I just trust myself? And that was the same thing going, you know, even for Pluto, like through the different, um, 
through the different kind of milestones we've had, for instance, like going for like a short tank or going for an accelerator or making that decision to be like, I want to raise venture capital for this company and see how it goes. Like all of that was really scary and yes. it could potentially kill the company. Um, yeah. Which is your baby, right? So mm-hmm. for, yeah. I love I love, um, you know, what I call like fear facing and I'm also an adrenaline junkie. I've done, I do all those things. I haven't driven the car, can't drive stick shifts to save my life. You would never want me to, we'd be in a lot of danger. Maybe it'd be fun for you. I don't know. Maybe you'd find adventure in that, but it'll be so fun. (laughs) I know what we're doing next. Yeah. Right. We'll go to the track. It'll be so fun. Um, so, so yeah, I also love that, but I also like exactly what you're talking about fear facing and things that I've learned from, taking chances is that like what was hard for me two years ago, three years ago is now easier or easy, right? But if I had never done it, I never would have gotten through it. And so we hit different thresholds as we get, as we grow as humans and take on new opportunities and new chances, but we never have the opportunity to, to see what we're made of and to see our resilience. Cause I, I'm a believer. I'm an, I'm like, I always say I'm an annoying optimist because I always believe the best is going to work out for everyone that also believes that. And there are definitely hard times and things we all have to face and get through. But ultimately we as humans and as a human race are extraordinarily resilient and um, can endure quite a bit if we decide that that's the path that we want. Right. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that's amazing that you broke it down in that way that you've hit new thresholds and now have different challenges than you face maybe than a few years ago, right? It's it's always new. Yeah. There's always something to be and afraid of. And it's not of, being like ignorant, right? No. Of the risks or anything like that and just choosing to be blinded by them and just going your yeah. way. It, it is understanding all of that, but choosing to be optimistic about it. Totally. And preparing yourself for all these scenarios because you're an optimist. Yes. I, I think that's kind of what I, uh, how I frame everything that it could be risky. Totally. Totally. So we've talked a lot about Pluto and you're the CEO and co-founder of this Pluto pillow company, but we still don't know much about it. Right. So I want to sh- you to share like why pillows and what is Pluto? So Pluto, how we all started is I wanted to decrease my time on the racetrack, really. <laughs> so after I sell, after the exit of Cora, I kind of, you know, dabbled in a couple of things, but I really took the time to focus a lot on my hobbies, which we've talked about over and over again, which is cars. So I went to autocross events, go-karting events. I went to racetracks, Button Willow, uh, Chuck Walla. Um, so and- cool. Thank you. But there was a point where I was frustrated because my neck started to hurt. Like I couldn't Mm. really, you're supposed to look at the point on the track that you want your car to be ahead of where, where your car is now. And so I couldn't do that. And that was dangerous, I guess, but it was also frustrating because I wasn't performing at my best. And this went on for about one and a half months before I started going to like my family doctor and my physical therapist and being like, I, this hasn't gone away. And usually it does. And it wasn't until my PT said, 
have you thought about, you know, your pillow? Maybe <laughs> you, you know, been sleeping on the wrong pillow. Like, and I was like, oh, well, I've been sleeping on the same pillow for like over 10 years. It's fine. And he was like, over 10 years, you're supposed to replace your pillow every like one and a half to two years. But I guess that I didn't get the memo, but it was a completely flat pancake. And, you know, the way I sleep tossing and turning, um, it did contribute to, you know, what was happening. And so I was super excited actually, because I was like, here's a solution. I'm going to go out and find it and I can get back on the track and do really, really well. And so I went to all these brick and mortar stores, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, Costco, buying pillows, like testing them in stores, placing <laughs> my head on like the dirty plastic bags and being like, oh, this feels right. And then taking it home, putting it on the bed and being like, this does not feel like how it felt in the store. Um, and then going online and everything was like one size fits all. Mm. Why does one side sleeper pillow look so different from another? And there's only this one option or things are like adjustable, um, but two inserts are too high. One is too low. <laughs> and then I went, I kind of like returned seven pillows before finding the right one. But I went through this kind of journey on this is a product that every single person needs, yet the purchasing experience is terrible. Yeah. And for the modern day consumer, there's got to be a better way. Like there were all these mattress companies coming out at the same time, almost like every two to three weeks, there was one. And they were like, buy our mattress, get two pillows free. In other words, it was such an accessory and an afterthought. And I felt mm. like, you know, pillows are incredibly important to our sleep. Why isn't there a better way? Why can't we use data and uh, like the things that make a pillow great for someone in terms of fit and alignment and take that and apply something more scientifically and get that pillow industry return rate down, which was at the time 13%, and just make a better purchasing experience. Um, using materials that haven't been traditionally combined and used before. And that was kind of the curiosity that started. Like, yeah. could I do this? And I was so stoked that I could, again, get into consumer, you know, back to the things we touch and feel every day, try to improve upon it. Um, and that was just like the spark. And then going into, you know, these different material suppliers and like asking them to make like certain densities and like Frankensteining, is that a word? Putting yeah. pillows together in my bedroom and being like, okay, I think this is like the MVP here. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, my co-founder is also much more um, technical. So he created the whole algorithm that powers the model we, we have today. And I think our goal was to see if other people were like me, like have had trouble finding the right fit. Um, and that was the beginning of it. This is 2017 and we launched 10 months later. That's amazing. And I'm totally that person guilty of a 10-year pillow. I told you I have to fix this. I'm buying buying a Pluto pillow. I'm doing this. I got um, you. <laughs> but it's like this, but to your point, why I think we have 10-year pillows is because no one likes to go buy pillows. It sucks. It's annoying. Um, so people are just like, well, I'm just gonna stick with the same one because going out and having this experience. And it's so true. Like even when I go to a hotel and even though my pillow's totally crappy, going on a hotel pillow that I'm not used to, or that's not made for me, or that is like off my neck hurts. And so you're so right that pillows are like why all of our heads are different. We all sleep different. We all 
you know, want different things from our sleep quality. So it seems like it's so obvious that we would all need custom pillows, but I love that it wasn't obvious to most people and that idea fell upon you and here we are. So like, I love the name Pluto. It's so fun to say Pluto pillow, Pluto pillow. Um, Where did Pluto come from? Pluto came from a very, very long list an Excel sheet of names where all of the domain names were taken and all the trademarks were taken. And then one day I was about to fall asleep actually. And it just like flew to pillow. Like it just came to me. And I, I just got up and be like, let's see if the domain name is taken. It probably is. And it wasn't. And so I just kind of bought it right then and there. But if you think about, and I, I kind of, I didn't touch on this quite yet, but um, how it works is on our site, you take an 18 question questionnaire. So it would all describe your body stats, your sleep positions, your preferences, so we can get to know you. If you have any optional, more bespoke details for your pillow builder, such as I want a pillow that feels like dry cement. And that's a very popular <laughs> request, by the way. Or like I want fibers just blown on one side. Um, and after that, um, you know, it goes through our algorithm and it, it helps us create the right pillow for you, but we still combine a human touch with that. But every single pillow, there's a core and that's surrounded by an outer plush pillow. And these mm. are all different depending on your build, but the whole makeup is still this. And if you think about the X planet of Pluto or actually yes. every other planet, there's definitely a core and surrounded by like gas. Um, and it kind of looks like that if you kind of cut your pillow in half, your Pluto pillow in half. So it kind of made sense. It flowed Pluto pillow and we just went with it. I love it. I love it. So creative. And also I think of, you know, dreaming and space and just sleeping peacefully. Yes. Out of this like, world comfort yes. is what we, we, so we say here. <laughs> so, you know, you, you already shared that you've been on Shark Tank, which I know listeners are going to go crazy for because who doesn't love Shark Tank? It's so fun. So I know there's probably lots of disclosures and things you can share and can't share, but share a little bit about that experience of whatever you can, because in my opinion, that takes so much guts. Like I'm a gutsy girl for sure. Um, but like the thought of me standing up there presenting in front of these literal sharks like makes me sweat entirely all over my body. So what was this like for you? I, I have sweat coming down yeah. right now too, but it's almost just because I was thinking about it. But it's funny because up until that point, when we did Shark Tank, I've already done so many pitches and had so many no's from different investors that I was kind of used to it. This is like just, okay, this is a little bit different because the cameras on, on are on you and they're going to cut up this one and a half hour segment to eight minutes. Um, but kind of going back to the beginning, they approached us because they saw us in a magazine. I think it was like Architectural Digest or House oh, wow. Beautiful. This was when we started in 2018 and me and my co-founder were still making each pillow. Uh, we made the first 10,000 pillows before hiring anybody. So when I talked about earlier, like trying to de-risk as much as possible, but still going for it, that was one of the ways um, that we kept costs down. And then you know, when they approached us, I, to be honest, haven't really watched the show that much. And mm -hmm. I didn't know whether, whether that was a direction that we wanted to take the company. And for sure, two people cannot make pillows nationwide. So I actually said no to them at the time. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. And then it was only about a year later when we had better operations, more streamlined. We had, um, I, I went through an accelerator called 500 Startups. You know, Majuri went through them and all of that. I met so many incredible founders. Many of them have actually been on the show. Okay. And all of them have had very different experiences. Like, for instance, one person had PTSD afterwards. Some didn't get deals. Some got deals. Some fell through through the due diligence process. But all of them, the same through line was that they had an incredible experience. And they would go back no matter what. Yeah. And the show was great. Everybody was really supportive. And I think because of that, I was like, I think that's not a bad idea. I think we should go for it yeah. and see what we could do. And so I contacted them back at the time and, and I just, you know, went through that whole process and it was in the middle, the height of COVID, I believe, August, 2020, we got in and um, they put us up in a bubble at the Venetian <laughs> in Vegas, very, very strict COVID protocols. We were isolated for 14 days oh in our hotel gosh. room, um, but for the safety of everyone yeah. and the first people that we've interacted with right after that isolation period was the filming. So it, it was the sharks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and then from, from there, it was, I remember like, it was such a blur. It was like one and a half hours of filming, but it went by so fast. Yeah. And they obviously cut it down to an eight to 10 minute segment. Um, and afterwards they, they kind of like ushered you into another room and, and, Everybody was so supportive, but what you don't see behind the scenes is like, no matter how much they, it seems like they're hard on you and stuff like that, behind the scenes, they're, they're so incredibly supportive. So mm. that was an incredible experience. And uh, we aired 10 months later. I thought we wouldn't have aired because we were very vanilla and we walked away from a deal, but we did air and it was May, 2021 when we aired and that was something that I was not prepared for. That for is sure. so cool. Um, yeah, like that was that aftermath was was insane. That so. is so cool. So you ended <laughs> up walking away. You had a deal offered, and then you walked away from it. Yes, I think uh, one of the things that they didn't ask us on the show was that we already had investors uh, by the time that um, by the time that we we went on the show. And we couldn't take the offer, but again, it was an incredible experience. If there was a better offer, we would have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so great. I, I love that it was a good experience for you because you just, you know, when you watch reality TV, you really have no idea, like you said, what goes on behind the scenes and, and how it all flows. So I'm glad to hear that it was a good experience for you. Um, before we wrap up, because we've been talking so much about, entrepreneurship. And I think it's incredible that I don't think there's a lot of women who, number one, are kind of in the space that you're in. And also you got into a lot of um, like raising the capital for your business, which, you know, could be its own podcast in itself on how you did that. But I'd love to know for you to share with the listeners, um, throughout your whole journey, whether it's just with Pluto, or if you want to include the whole from start to finish, from childhood to wherever you want to pick up, what would you say are like two to three key lessons 
for women listening who are aspiring entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs or seasoned entrepreneurs that you want to share that you feel will um, help someone listening get to the next kind of wherever they are, the next lily pad? I also think this question could be kind of its own podcast. So I'll try yes. to I'll try to make it quick because there's a lot, right? Sure. Um, but I think like the three kind of big ones for me personally is number one, I'm still working on this. I've always been trying to look for patterns of entrepreneurship and patterns of what a great leader would look like. So I would mm. listen to wonderful podcasts like like The Beam, for instance, or um, I would kind of read tons of, you know, books. And I would, I remember when I was like early on trying to emulate folks, mm. but at the end of the day, what I've experienced was, especially like after meeting, you know, different people and different founders, like their company is different from your company and you have to be what your company needs, mm. which is kind of essentially like an extension of your values. So there's no template. Yeah. You know, there's no template. Just be the best. I, I know it sounds so cheesy, but like just wake up and be the best and go out there, you know, be the best that you can be. Um, there's no blueprint. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's so many true. founders who are all great leaders. They look so different from one another. They act differently too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think second kind of related to that is that growing a company grows you quite a bit. Like yes. even with Pluto, I'm not the same person as I was on day one. And that's because in order for whatever you're building to grow, you have to almost grow and mature that much more in order yeah. for what you're building to keep growing, right? Your team and your culture, be open to that. Um, yes. You know, be open to that ride. And it could be a good feel for you personally. It's a great cycle, right? The company grows, you grow, you grow, the company yes. grows. Um, and I think most importantly, uh, last but not least is um, schedule breaks because I think mm. a lot of times we're so passionate about what we're building. If you don't schedule those breaks, even if you feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not really tired. I don't, I don't need a really, I can just like sit here all day and work. I don't really need to go out and take a walk. Um, if you don't, your body will schedule it for you. And I've heard this mm -hmm. somewhere and it was amazing, but, um, and it usually schedules it as at a not so opportune time, like not, not yeah. a good time. So schedule it when, when it's good for you and not when your body says, Hey, like I'm breaking down. So I, those are my three. I love it. And it's one of the biggest, that number three could be like, if no one took away anything and they just got that from this podcast message, will save your life. Truly. It's why I went into wellness, right? Because wellness is prevention of getting into all these other things that no one wants to experience. And of course there's things that happen that no matter how healthy you are and how well you take care of yourself happens. And, but the idea is to not only fulfill your dreams and live your life and start the business you want to start or do the thing you want to do, but not to let it be the thing that defines you as a person. Right. And you've got to, I love what you said to have it be an extension of your values because that's been probably such a huge part of my business. And like when I bring guests on the show, our values have to align, right? Like we have to have synergy. We have to believe in similar um, things that in order to kind of synergize and grow with each other. So 
all of that, I totally second and think that is such great advice. So thank you so much for sharing that. And then of course, everything else that you brought into this conversation today. Um, it was really fun for me to also, I, I it's rare. Someone will ask me questions. So I just, I love that so much that you oh, asked yeah. me too. And I so think good. it's because, um, you know, all of these things are because of great coaches that I've also had the privilege of working yes. with like yourself, for instance, your work is so incredibly important. So thank you for what you do and for, you know, lifting up other women and, yeah. Thanks for spotlighting thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell everyone, because now everyone's like, shit, I have a 10 year pillow. I need to get a new one. Um, where can they connect with you, Pluto pillow and take this 18 question thing so they can get some pillows to their house? Yes. So, um, our main website is Pluto P L U T O pillow, P-I-L-L-O-W.com. And that's where you take the questionnaire. It goes through 5 million data points to help us create the right build for you. You can find us on Instagram at Pluto Pillow, TikTok at Pluto Pillow, um, Twitter at Pluto Brand. And yeah, if I also want to throw this out there because I know there's a lot of um, women who may want to chat, please feel free to email me, Susanna at PlutoPillow.com. I love having these conversations and sometimes Amazing. not all of it comes through on a podcast. I love it. Thank you for making yourself available because I know, like I said, it's having a network, having connections is so important and so valuable. So um, again, thank you for your time. This has been so much fun and um, I can't wait to hear takeaways from our listeners. So have a great day, girl. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. Bye, Susanna. You are the best, Bean Babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another Bean Babe or post it on social and tag me at The Beam Life so I can tell you thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text. Yes, a real text to 323-673-2714. 09 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always, and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.